0: morning everyone how we doing good For those who don't know me my name is Joel Um on staff here I look after youth and it's a pleasure John and Lauren myself we got up to a bit of mischief this week because we had no pastors watching over us and it was great um, but one's back now so the fun's over <laughs> uh, nah, it's good good that you're back Andrew um How many of you are like freezing cold? I was sitting there freezing cold. Is anyone cold? So I need to stand. Look, at half of you like, you know I'm going to do something because I... You need to stand up. Everyone stand up. Stand up. You need to spin around three times and then sit down. First one to sit down wins. Brandon was pretty quick. Jordan was pretty quick. My youth boys, they know how it's done. Um... When I guess we got like the preaching roster, well, and like I was on this Sunday, and I was like, "Oh my goodness! Like, what do I speak on?" You know, give last Sunday and stuff, and I haven't preached for a while, so I was like, I had this like message brewing in my mind. Like for li- literally a couple months, I've been sort of thinking about this, and like, what do I speak on? And and I had this thing on my mind. I was like, "Oh, maybe I could speak on that." I'm like, "Oh, I don't know." And it got to like sort of this week and I was like okay do I do this message or not because you know do I just want to do that for selfish reasons because I think it would be pretty good and stuff um, and like I've been thinking for a while and I just need to get it out because I don't know I think about things a lot and it gets to a point where I just need you yeah, know my dad nods and it gets to a point where I just need to let it out and then I like throughout this week I've just been praying about it and like God's really confirmed it so I'm excited this morning I believe God will speak to us all. So I'm excited. That's good. So my question is, who here worries about things? Anything. And like, come on, we've got to get a bit interactive. You can't just sit there and... Pretty much everyone, yeah? Everyone worries about something. There's something that happens, there's things that goes on in our life, and we worry. Yet we live in this culture, a classic Australian culture, no worries. Don't worry about it, mate. She'll be right. You know, this, we sort of give this, we almost project this self that everything's okay. We project this idea that our lives are all good, like surface level, if anyone meets us for the first time, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Everything's fine. And we project ourselves and our lives that everything's A-OK. But deep down, the true reflection is that we've all got things that we worry about. There's things that we stress over, there's things that make us anxious, there's things that really our life, we're not sure of, we don't have the answers, we don't know. And essentially, what I want to talk about this morning is worry, and this is, throughout the Bible, you know, particularly in Matthew, Jesus says numerous times, do not worry. So that's what we will to talk about this morning, and essentially, worry comes from our un- unknown. We don't know something, therefore we worry you know, I silly skipped breakfast this morning and there's an unknown of what I'm going to have for lunch today. Like serious, and I can't have Maccas again because I've had Maccas like, I can't even admit, confess up here how much I've had Maccas this week. There's an unknown of whether I have enough money to get through this month. There's an unknown of whether we'll find good friends in another country. There's an unknown of whether I'll get another job. There's an unknown of you know, whether I'll find a life partner, the girl I'm dating, is she the one? There's these unknowns in our life that cause us to worry. And for me particularly, like, I hate the unknown. On Monday night, we had our young adults. We had, um, our cousin came in, and she ran like a um, personality profiling thing for our young adults. We had a combined night. And um, basically, I pretty quickly found out, I'm like, there's four different types. I was the analyzer, the planner, the thinker, results oriented sort of focus, task, that's me. Then there was the carer, which is Loz, and then there was the player, which is Wade, who's like, you know, let's just have fun and let's just go with the flow, whatever happens, happens. Um, and somehow, we got put into an activity, we had to build like the tallest tower out of paper you know classic sort of team building thing and like three of us were in the same group as well as Michelle uh, I still how are you going I, like I hope you're okay after that experience so it's like me Lauren Wade and then poor old Michelle and uh, suddenly competitiveness kicked in like and Wade just like oh just roll the paper up roll the paper up and I'm freaking out like Wade what's the plan what are we doing and he's like, just roll it, just roll it, man. And I'm freaking out. And so that's me. And I don't know about any of you, but I'm an, like, I didn't even know what's happening next month, let alone what my life will look like in three years, five years. And, and what I discovered is that I worry about the unknown because I want control. So it's almost like three steps. Like I worry, I worry because there's unknown, but then there's unknown because I want control. Like I want to, I want to shape how my life looks. I want to sort of make sure everything works out all right, that there's as little danger as possible, and I get what I want. Yeah, in many ways, this is the sin of humanity. You know, Adam and Eve, you know, they're tempted in the garden to sort of, so that they would see like God, so that they would have control, they would be independent, they could do what they want. And that's so often what I see in our culture, in our lives, in my life, This sense that I want to control my own destiny. I want to be independent. I want to be autonomous. I want to do what I want. And so we desire control, but we realize that even the things in our control, there's so many things outside of our control, but even the things in our control go wrong. We're broken, sinful humans. And I guess what I want to say this morning is that, you know, we want control. It's natural to want control. It's natural that there's things unknown and therefore we worry. But I want to say this that that we're not to live in a state of worry, but to live in a state of peace. That's that's the gospel, that's what God wants for us. That, you know, instead of, you know, unknowns and and worry, that there's a God that we can trust, who's in control, who's above all things and sovereign, who's good, loving and faithful. Like that's our God and that's who we trust, and therefore we don't worry. So, if you have your Bibles, turn with Matthew, Matthew 13. Um, we're going to try and go through this quickly. Matthew 13, we touched on it um, a few weeks ago at the children's service. Uh, Glenn sort of touched on the first half of Matthew 13 that talked about the parables. And that the nature of parables is that um, they're often hard to understand. That's just the nature of parables. Yet, this one. Jesus gives us um, the interpretation of the parable, so thank you, Jesus. And Matthew 13, and we're just going to go from verse 18 when he explains the parable of the 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 sower. So listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So quickly, there's four seeds, four different types of seeds that go out. There's the first one, that the devil steals away, not because the devil is more powerful than God, but because they didn't understand the word. They didn't understand the gospel, they didn't understand the message, And therefore, the devil steals it away. The second seed, is that there's trouble, persecution, it takes no root. Think of um, the story, you know, wise man built his house upon a rock, the other one on the sand. When the waves come, you know, the house on the sand falls over. There's no foundation, there's no roots. When hard times come, it falls over. There's a third seed, which we'll focus on a little bit more, is that the wealth of and the worries of life choke it, making it unfruitful. And, and that's probably, you know, what really captured me when I was reading this. Like, the worries of this life choked the message, choked, made it unfruitful. I guess that's my fear a little bit for, our, for my life and for our church is that the worries of this life make us unfruitful. Like, that's, that's, a, that's a scary thing. The worries of this life make it unfruitful. But then the fourth seed is the one that hears the word, that hears the message and understands it and produces a crop 30, 60, 100 times as much. You see, the first three seeds are all linked. Basically, they, neither none of them understand the message because the fourth one understands the message and produces a crop. So basically, our worrying, the worries of this life, if they choke us, it means that we haven't properly understood the gospel. We haven't properly understood the message and therefore we become unfruitful and we're choked. You know, back when I was about, we were I think I was eight, we moved over to America for three years and we went with our family. And I can't remember a whole lot of the initial stages. Um, there's a couple of things I, I do remember. One of them, was um, we left in like March and we, so we had a couple months of school like before the June, like summer holidays. So basically the first thing we did when we got there, we got to the school and I had to sit a test, all right? So I had to sit this test to see sort of whether we go grade three, grade two, or well, for me, I don't know, Loz, she's a bit younger. So I got this test and like I don't want to like brag, but I was a pretty clever kid. Like I was I knew my maths, I could spell pretty good. I was going through I was going through and all of a sudden I get to the question. I don't know what it was. It was something like Bob has 3 nickels and 2 dimes. How much money does he have? I'm like and I'm freaking out. I'm like what is a nickel and what is a dime? Like no idea. We hadn't studied, we hadn't been prepared for the test, like, no idea. And I remember, I, I clearly remember just sitting there trying to hold back the tears, being like, I've got nothing. Like, I don't, I, I don't even know what to guess. Like, I had no idea. I'm freaking out. And, and I think, I think in some ways, like, it's such a reflection of my life, like, I've got this test and I, I don't have all the answers. But in many ways, it was a misunderstanding on my part. We're going to a Christian school. They're going to understand. I sh- Surely some Americans would understand that not everyone knows what a nickel and dime is. You'd hope so. Maybe not. Sometimes. But they're people of love. They would understand that I wouldn't know. Um, see, see, I worry. We, we worry because we don't have all the answers. We worry because of the unknown Yet, really, it's a misunderstanding of the gospel. You see, the gospel is not that we get in based on our answers. The gospel is that we get in based on the love of God, the character of, of who is sort of the principle in some ways. That Like, that's the gospel. Not that our worries cease to exist. You know, I, I'm, I was sort of really worried that, ironically, I was worried preparing that, you know, I'd sort of minimize people's problems and issues and stuff. Like, it's not, it's, not that, it's not that our worries cease to exist. That's not the gospel, that we get whatever we want and we live happily ever after. But the gospel is this, that, that through Jesus Christ, God has made a way that we can be in relationship with Him now and forever, that His Holy Spirit resides in us, that we can live with Him now and forever. We sing that song, you know, Christ is enough. Christ is enough. So, you know, Christ is my reward. Or like, like Jesus is the reward. Like that relationship with Him, like that's the gold. That's the treasure. Throughout the Bible, over a hundred times it says, do not fear, do not be afraid, or something like that. And often it will say it is linked to God's presence. Think of Joshua 1, you know, do not be afraid for the Lord your God is with you. Like, God's presence is what allows us to not, like, God's presence is the answer. That, like, that's the hope. That's the, and um, I brought a prop today. I brought a golf ball. Not because I'm on the golf well the golf bandwagon like the rest of the young adults seem to be. Um, actually, did any of you seven and eights know why I have a golf ball? Do you remember? Oh, yeah. The video. Yeah, Louis Giglio. We watched um, How Great Is Our God. And basically, he does a whole bunch of things with science and all this crazy stuff. It's awesome. Um, but basically, his a big thing. And what I so, I keep this in my car. And each day, I sort of, you know, play with it and stuff while I'm driving. Not a good idea, but, you know. And he says, if the earth was a golf ball, the largest star in the universe that we know is the size of Mount Everest. So like I said, we lived in America. I've seen some pretty big mountains. And I can sort of picture them a little bit. I can picture the earth, the golf ball in front of it. If the earth is a golf ball, the biggest star in the known universe is the size of Mount Everest. Like that's crazy. And it says to me three things. This is like sermon within a sermon for you, okay? Okay. Sermonception, something like that. All right, the Earth is golf ball. Mount Everest is the biggest star. It says to me three things. One, God is really big. Yeah, like we can agree with that. God, God is crazy powerful. Second thing it says is that I'm pretty small. Like I'm like a dust, a part. I don't know. I'm like, I'm not even one of these whole divots things, whatever you call them. I don't know. Like. I'm really, really small. But the third thing it says is that God is really, really big, I'm really, really small, and He still wants a relationship with me. Like He's in the car right with me. Like that's who God is. That's the gospel. He's really big, I'm really small, I make mistakes, but we live in relationship together. So we don't have all the answers to the test, but we don't need them we don't get in based on our answers, we don't have a relationship with this really big God because we're really, really good. No, it's because of His love that we get to be in relationship together. So what that says to me then is that like if that's how big God is and if that's how small I am, then I have to give Him control of my life. Like it doesn't make sense for me to keep trying to shape my own destiny and to control everything. Like, God's really big and I'm really small, so why not give Him everything? Why not surrender? Because He's good and He's loving. You know, Romans 8, 28, all things work together for the good of those who love Him. Like, that's God's plan. Not, Not so that we would sort of be suppressed and live this, you know, mediocre average life that we just get through, but no, to live a life of fullness with Him. Like, that's what God wants for us so surrender to him in mark chapter 4 if you want to if you want to turn mark chapter 4 there's a a really cool story i love a good story in the bible mark chapter 4 verse 35 um we'll just read it go through a bit quickly that day when evening came jesus said to his disciples Let's go over to the other side. Yeah. They'd been teaching with the crowds. He'd sort of been going hot. And he said, like, let's go over to the other side. So leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There was a whole bunch of other boats around. And then a furious storm came up. And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a pillow. The disciples woke him and said, teacher, Don't you care if we drowned? And Jesus got up, rebuked the wind and the waves, and said, Quiet, be still. And the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to the disciples, You know, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and they asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Yeah, crazy story. Massive storm, Jesus sleeping. Like, can you imagine? The boat, it says the boat's nearly swamped. And Jesus gets almost a bit angry. Like, why do you have no faith? Why does Jesus respond like that? Is it because it's not that bad? Like, your storm is not that bad. These waves aren't that big. Calm down. Jesus, Jesus responds because he's with them. He's in the boat with them. And I'm pretty sure Jesus knew that his destiny was not to drown in a boat. Jesus knew something that was going on and he knew, you know, Jesus said to them, let's go to the other side. It's not like, sort of, like, Jesus God. He's like, let's go to, if he says, let's go to the other side, you're getting to the other side. Yeah, and even then, going on to that, like, I'm pretty sure he knew the weather report. Like, he probably knew that there was a storm coming. And yet he's comfortable enough just to sleep through it. And he's sleeping. Like, does his sleeping signify that he doesn't care? Because that's what they ask. Like, do you not care? Of course not. Jesus loves them. And he knows them. And he gets up and he says still, he says, why are you so afraid? Why do you have no faith? I'm here with you. I'm in the boat. And nothing's going to happen. Yeah, here's the thing about our storms, you know, because I think our life's the same, that, that Jesus is he's in the boat with us. He's, he's in that relationship with us. And he says, we're going to the other side. I've got a plan. Eventually, you're coming home to heaven with me. Like, that, that's the other side for me. Like, we're getting there. We're going there. It's going to get rough. It's going to be storms, but I'm coming with you. And here's the big secret. Well, it's not really a secret, but here's the big thing. Like, even if the boat drowns, even if the boat completely comes in and the boat goes down and we die, Jesus is still with us. And we sang that song, you know, beautiful words of how, you know, even death, I still sing, I, even, I still love you. Because even in death, Christ is still with us. You know, when we come before the judgment throne, Jesus is with us. God doesn't see what we've done, He sees what Jesus has done. So don't be afraid. Don't worry. Death has no sting. God is always with us. Jesus is always in the boat. He'll never leave and never forsake. Like I said, I don't know about all of you. I don't know about the storms in your life, the worries and the concerns. I can imagine that there's some. And here's the thing. Jesus might even be sleeping through them. Like, Jesus might be sleeping in your storm, and it's not because he doesn't care, but because he has peace. He's, he's peaceful. He knows that the Father's in control. In um, Philippians 4, a real popular verse says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Like sleeping in a storm, that's peace that doesn't make sense. You know, there's going to be storms in our life. There's going to be worries in our life. And, you know, people, are going to shoot, people will look at us and go like, aren't you worried about that? Aren't you concerned? Like, why are you so peaceful? Like, that should be the story of our life, that we're not living in a state of worry, but we're living in a state of peace. That people go, you've got this peace, and it doesn't make sense. And we go, yeah, that's God. That's my relationship with Him. Because immediately before that verse, it says, do not be anxious about anything. Right before it, what does it say? The Lord is near. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious. Present your request to God. So the Lord is near, the Lord is with you. So bring every request. You know, it says in every situation. See, I'm, I really think sometimes we get caught in a Christianity where we go, okay, God, these are things out of my control. Help me with them. I got the rest. Like my finances, I'm pretty good with that. Um, you know, my, my job situation, like it's all sorted. But, you know, I'm a bit sick and I can't get better. The doctors haven't helped me. Like, can you look after that? No, Paul says every situation, every situation. I'm going to hand over the control of every situation to God. Not just the things out of my control, but everything, handing it over. God's complete control. Like, that's surrender. That's what the gospel calls for. Daily, pick up your cross and follow me. Like Deny yourself. Everything, I'm handing it over because God is big and I'm really small. So bring every request to Him in every situation. And may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We're moving on. I'm not going to be anxious. We're going to have the peace of God. Yeah, so for the Gilberts, for, for us here, for everyone, know that the Lord is near, that he is with you, that he's in the boat right beside you. And even though he might be sleeping, he still cares, but he has peace. So, so what do we do? Because, you know, it's, a, it's sort of a bit airy-fairy to say, oh, God's with you. You know, like what does that actually look like? Matthew six, the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, you know, Jesus says in Matthew six, verse twenty five There's nine verses there that talk the title of Do Not Worry. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life and what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air, and it goes on. I feel like we really need to say this morning that what God is saying is, do not worry. Do not be anxious. And like I said, I was a bit worried about saying that because I feel like it's a bit insensitive. Like, I don't know every situation, but like, that's what Jesus is saying. Do not worry. That's what Paul says. Do not be anxious. And we can't sort of just water that down. We can't just say, oh, just trust God and pray. No, we really need to say, like, do not worry about your life. You know, I li- like I said, through this week, there was a couple of confirmations and the things that came up that I was like, oh, man, that's like exactly what I was planning to preach on. There's this thing on John Piper they talked about. And he talks about, like, this is a couple-minute video, and he said, you know, worrying makes our father look bad. You know, I remember, I said back when we were in America, Uncle Everard gave Caleb the nickname Chief Sitting Bull. He was, would have been sort of about three or four. And he used to throw these tantrums like crazy. And literally, he would just, he would get up, he would not get what he wants, he would cross his legs, fold his arms, angry face on, and he would just sit there and carry on in the middle of any like we're in the middle of like tourists like we went to Red Rocks. It's like a tourist place. Middle of the thing, middle of the front stage, of the amphitheater. He's done it. And I'm just like, I'm freaking out. Like I'm pretty conscious of what people think. And I'm freaking out. And I'm getting pretty worried. I'm like, Dad, like, what's going on? Dad, Mom, Dad, you can't let this happen. <coughs> Like, me and Lauren tried to be the parents. Like, cut him! Like, he's making us look like fools. And in some ways, my worrying was a bit of lack of trust to my dad. Yeah, my dad's got control. I I, I think he did, yeah? <laughs> he, ter- he turned out all right. He doesn't, oh, okay, he does it for you now. No, he's, he, he's good. But no, we like my worrying signifies that I don't actually trust my dad with what he's doing. And it's the same with our spiritual, like same with God. Our worrying signifies that that we don't trust Him, that we we that we actually haven't surrendered control, and that we don't really believe that God is sovereign above all, working all things together for good. You know, that's the um. The story of Joseph, isn't it? His brothers throw him in a well, sell him off into slavery. Eventually, he rises to power in Egypt, saves thousands of people from a famine. And he sees his brothers and what he say? you know, this was intended to harm me. But God intended it for good. So even, even the hurtful, hard situations in my life, I'm not going to worry because God's in control. And I'm going to trust Him and I'm going to walk with Him and I'm going to keep pursuing Him because He's going to bring it all together for good one day. Like that's our hope. That's our reality that one day everything comes together, every knee bows, every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord and King. So don't worry. It's not this sort of, you know, because we say, we say that, don't we? No worries. Don't worry about it. It should be right. And it's almost like this carefree, sort of detached, super chilled way of living. You know, we say, don't worry. And I just sort of distance myself. I don't care. Like, that's not what I think Jesus is saying. You know, in terms of just be like that super chilled hippie doo that doesn't care about anything. No, it's, it's, I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to be anxious because I trust God and I'm going to bring everything to him. So I still care about it. It's still on my heart, but I'm not going to worry about it because I'm bringing it to the God and I'm going to let His peace rule in my life. So do not worry. And what else does Jesus say in that passage towards the end, verse 33? But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first His kingdom and and His righteousness. Like, that needs to be our first priority. We know that His righteousness is a gift, that His kingdom is powerful, and it rules now and forever. Now, everything else has little significance compared to that, His kingdom and His righteousness. That we are bought, you know, even death has no sting. And we are made right with God, brought into a relationship with Him, and brought into an everlasting kingdom. You know, last week we had Clinton here who spoke on Psalm 27. talks about the enemies in his life and all these things that are going wrong, and then right in the middle it says, but one thing I seek, one thing I ask, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever to gaze upon His beauty. Like, so in the midst of... Of all this that's going on in the midst of the storm, there's one thing that I seek. There's one thing that I ask that I may dwell with God forever. I may gaze upon His beauty. You know, my worries, our worries, they don't disappear, but they fade. They fade into the background when we seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. You know, that song we sing, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. It's not that they disappear. It's not that they magically vanish and everything's all right because I'm a Christian now. No, but the worries of this life, they fade into the background in the light of who God is. Yeah, I also feel that there's a sort of another practical thing And it's that we want to see God's kingdom advance in this world. You know, we want to make sure that that people's eternal destinies are secure, not just temporary things are okay. That people need to hear the message of the king. And my fear is that, you know, like the seeds that we talked about at the start, my fear is that we're preoccupied. The worries of this life, they choke the message. They, they make it unfruitful. Yet the seeds that, that understand the gospel, that they understand how big God is, who understand the king, who understand that everything else pales in significance, who understand that the gospel, they're the ones that produce the fruit. So in some ways, maybe you'd never lose sight of the real battle. Maybe you never lose sight of the of what's really significant one that i have a relationship with the king and that too i need to make sure everyone else does as well the four seeds the third one was that we are choked that the seeds grow and they're choked by the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth making it unfruitful but the fourth one understands the gospel and produces a crop 30 60 100 times as much may we not be too preoccupied with the worries of this world may may the worries of this life not choke us and make us unfruitful but may we truly understand who god is and when we do that we will see a jesus says it we will see 30 60 100 times as much There'll be a harvest, there'll be a crop. People will come to know Jesus as they see us living in peace and not in worry. So that's my prayer for us. That's my prayer for, for you guys, the Gilberts, as you guys head off. That's my prayer for all of us that, that we would not live in a state of worry, but live in a state of peace. That every situation we would hand over to God. That the worries of this life would not choke us, but instead we would understand that God is in control and that we would see His kingdom lived out and advanced. That we'd see people come to know Him as God produces a crop in us. I'm going to invite the music team up. We're going to finish with a song. and Why don't you guys all stand as well? Um... We're going to sing a song in a minute, but what I, what I wanted to just do first, well, I guess, like it's easy to, s- at the moment, everything's just a bunch of words. And I really feel like I just need to respond in some way. So I want to give you a moment, just yourself. One, to reflect, on, okay, what are you worried about? What are you worrying about? What are you anxious about? What are you fearful of? And just to think about that. And then two, just to take a moment and just in your heart, just to hand that over. Just to go and say, God, I'm surrendering control for every situation. Every situation, present your request to God. So I'm going to give you a moment to do that. And then we're going to sing this song, Oceans. You know, I used to think this song was all about, like, you know, stepping out into your calling and I like, but now this chorus of, and I'll call upon your name. Keep my eyes above the waves. When oceans rise, my soul would rest in your embrace. Whatever the, whatever the waves are, whatever the ocean, whatever the storm is, I'm going to fix my eyes above that onto the King of Kings. And that my soul would find rest in Him. Like rest, peace, sleep in the storm. So take a quick moment, just in your own space, just to present your worries, your requests to God. And then um, we'll sing.